Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray. And folks, we are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And if you're looking for a bank that is at the top of the surveys conducted by of customers, customer surveys conducted by Forbes, by uh, Time Magazine's Money.com, uh, well, Renaissance Bank shows up there. And I think they show up there because they're big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them, but they're small enough to do it in a personal way. And that's a hard combination to find in these days of mega banks. Uh, and if you're at one of those banks, you know what I mean. So go to renaissancebank.com and find one of their local offices and give them a call. I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now we've got a special show today. We have got... Uh, Officials from the Community Foundation of Northeast Georgia. We uh, are delighted to welcome DePriest Wadi. He's the president and CEO of the organization. Maria Sullivan, she is chief development officer and then a board member, Scott Jordan. All three of them are with us today, so we're excited to have all three of you. And Scott's day job is Pinnacle Financial. I've got to mention that. Give a shout out to Pinnacle Financial, Thank right, you. Scott? Okay, Appreciate that. awesome. <laughs> but welcome to all three of you. Thank you, John. Thank you. Yeah, uh, DePriest, why don't you give an overview of the uh, Community Foundation of Northeast Georgia and how you're serving out there? Well, I've been CEO for the Community Foundation for a little bit less than a year now, and I've been in this nonprofit space for about thirty years. So I've seen some really, really great things that communities have done on behalf of its citizens. And I've seen some hard work that still needs to be done. And so at the pinnacle of this, the Community Foundation for Northeast Georgia has been in existence for 35 years. And mm. at our core, we always say that we connect people who care with causes that matter. So in order to have people who care, obviously there is a business element to this. And through a portfolio of donor advice funds, we help our clients to develop what we call a charitable checkbook. So they're not giving money to the community foundation is actually their assets that they're converting to their charitable checkbook for philanthropy. And we advise them on how to get the best return on investment out of those dollars in the community for causes that they really, really care about. Yeah. It's, it, you know, we were talking before we came on that people hear the word foundation and they immediately recoil, uh, you know, because they think that's uh, stuffy, snobby. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't have enough assets for a foundation. D respond to that. Well, you know, anytime you use a technical word like a foundation, that's generally saying that I've got to meet a lot with my family, and I've got to have a lot of red tape when it comes to you know working with my tax advisor on how not to get entangled with the IRS and all those kinds of things that push people away from the table. Sure. And so we make it very, very easy because we serve at, as the back office to many, many families and organizations who really don't want that red tape. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to serve their communities philanthropically. They want to be able to voice the interests of where those dollars are going to make a charitable difference. And then they leave 
all that back office work to us. And so it comes down to this, you know, I'm going to give dollars away every year to my favorite charities. Some I know, some I don't know. Many come to me through people that I know or friends of friends. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're coming up on tax season right now. I just met with my accountant and, you know, I had to scrounge around for receipts and letters and I gave this to this organization, that organization. Well, with my charitable checkbook through the community foundation, I've got a portal that I can go through or I can call my representative at the community foundation and say, Hey, I want X number of my charitable dollars to go to XYZ organization. And all of that is logged in our portal. And so at the end of the year, we give you a printout of everybody you've given to. And by the way, you've already received that tax deduction up front. And all you got to do is show evidence of your donor advised fund. Mm. And, and the beauty of it is I don't have to spend all those dollars on my charities in a year. I could let them sit there and grow. And some folks who really took advantage of the stock market doing very, very well over the past five, seven years, they started with something as simple as $10,000. And now their charitable credit is up to like fifty, sixty thousand $60,000. And mm. just think of the good that that can do for nonprofits in a community. Yeah. And so, you know, we're sitting on, Let's just take last year off the table because I think everybody took a haircut last year. So we're sitting on about $80 million in assets, either mm. with family funds or agency funds, organizations that, you know, want to grow an endowment and they want us to manage those dollars for a rainy day in case there's something that they want to invest in, a capital campaign or a roof or a building. And they want us to manage those dollars so that those dollars could grow over time. And so we work with them on these causes and the things that they really, really are interested in. And if it's something that they are not aware of, but they have a sector like homelessness that they're interested in or clean water or, or nature or trees, then we know where to go to because we've got a team of researchers with boots on the ground and we know what those good causes are. Yeah. And that's when, that's when Scott and the board come into play as well, because we've got 50 board members that are, you know, titans of industry and leaders in the community. Mm -hmm. And they help us to develop this Rolodex of information so that we can help our communities grow and be stronger. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now let's, let's just break it down for those. And apparently, you know, again, we were talking about this before we came on, apparently the knowledge out there of what a donor advised fund is pretty low. So let's walk through the, the, um, exactly what that is. Maria, you want to take that? Sure. With Scott's help. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll bring uh, it okay. on in. But, yeah. uh, a donor advised fund as you know, we, we had talked before um, we started this and about 1% of the population we speak to even know what that is. And um, that is an individual that, you know, wants to create as Dupree said, um, a philanthropic foundation mm -hmm. fund. And then that's something we manage. But, um, you know, Scott could probably speak a little clearer to that as in, in detail as far as how what that can how that can impact your pocketbook. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, my wife and, and kids and I, we have our own donor advised fund with the Community Foundation. And I, like, ironically, many financial professionals knew what it was, but didn't necessarily know how it worked, nor how effective it was or how 
efficient it was even from a tax understanding prior to establishing that. So, you know, I, um, you know, went around for years going, I know what a DAF is generically. Uh, I'd never engaged with, with one directly until I became a board member. And, you know, one of the cool things to Priest's comments earlier is what I learned is they're very approachable. Uh, many people could actually open one. There's not, you know, a significant wealth requirement to have that. And, you know, as we got into it, probably uh, the Priest's commentary is the life efficiency we gain from not having to track receipts and credit cards and cash and all the things we were doing to give. And that also let us hone in on the themes that we like to give to uh, a little bit better and probably cool benefit kind of looking forward as I'm getting a little bit older um, is road mapping philanthropy with our children that are becoming old enough to understand what that is now. And I think, you know, probably for us, you know, we do a great job of being an educational um, steward to the community, both for individuals who might be seeking philanthropic avenues, as well as those agency partners that they might need connections to. So yes, definitely to Maria's comment, very misunderstood, I think the DAF is. Um, and the foundation is the thing everybody's heard of, but right. those seem like, you know, Arthur Blank or Bernie Marcus, or I right. could never be that, right. you know, that type of person, whereas a DAF, definitely a lot more approachable tool that we probably need to spend more time educating the world on which is why we're here right so we're we're, we're educating as we talk here hopefully uh for folks out there but just to be clear because people think taxes um uh when it comes to their charitable contributions but depreciate you alluded to this mm-hmm. but you set up the fund and whatever you put in the fund Im- immediately is tax deductible, regardless of whether you give any of that away immediately or not. Correct. That is, that is correct. So, you know, it's interesting, just like at the end of the tax year before the clock strikes midnight, everybody is cleaning out their closets and, <laughs> and packing up the car to take things to goodwill and right. make those charitable deductions the same type of inventory can be done with your assets. Mm. So we've, we've got some of our fund holders who use IRAs that are sitting there just kind of dormant. Um, 60%, between 60 and 65% of your, your uh, of, of what you can contribute in a given year could be based on your adjustable gross income and can be deductible. And, and then 30%, if you want to, you know, give art or cars, we've got folks who've, you know, has some land that have just been sitting there and they want to, get a tax deduction off the land, mm. mineral rights. We're working with a number of individuals who have mineral rights that, you know, that is part of their portfolio. So, you know, just like you're, you know, taking your old clothes and closets and furniture, you know, down the Salvation Army or Goodwill, you can take an inventory of your assets as well and really put those to good use, not only from a taxable advantage, but also giving back to the community over time. And I had a buddy recently, um, He's a very successful entrepreneur, and his wife is a, is a surgeon in Atlanta. And we talked in February, and I asked him, I said, you know, I'm at the Community Foundation now. I want you and your wife to consider donor advice funding. He's like, what's that? And I'm like, you don't know what that is? And he said, well, I need to take out one today because I got to pay a lot of money for 2022. And I said, well, I can't help you in 2022. I said, we would have had to have talked December 31st before midnight, right. which is our busiest season, as you can imagine. I'll bet. I mean, we're, we're open 24-7 for folks mm-hmm. who really have been enlightened about this. And they're coming, you know, 
up to a stroke of midnight to get those donor advised funds done. But, uh, but I'm going to take care of him and his wife for 2023 for sure. Yeah, that's when the drive-in window is open, right? That's I mean, exactly you've, right. you've got them lined up around the corner. <laughs> um, but so, and if people want that immediate deduction, they come in in December of of a certain year. Then they don't, you know, there's a lot of angst around getting that in and so forth. So they get the tax deduction, but they don't have to worry about deciding where it goes. Correct, right? And which is the normal kind of angst at the end of a year. It's like I need, I need. Tax deductions. Where am I? Where am I going to give it? And and you, you may make decisions that you you know are not bad decisions, but you wish you'd have made a different decision later. It in in the heat of the moment, right? That's correct. Yeah, we, we they bought themselves some time. Yeah, and it's really the time is really up to them. I mean, you know, they they can let the dollar sit there for years and it'll grow, or they may have you know some things that they really want to take care of in that upcoming several months and sometimes you know they'll want to put together a scholarship institute you know for the alma mater or their 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 kids schools or their churches you know you know many folks tithe directly out of their donor advised funds and and they advise us as to how they want to distribute those dollars to the church the advantage is i mean and and we have a and, and we have legacy funds so we have individuals who have decided as to what they want their dollars to do after they've left this earth. And so they've, they'll come to us and they'll say, Hey, you know, I want X number of dollars to go to my kids, but I want, I want the corpus of my estate to go to the community foundation. And I've got 10 charitable um, organizations that I want to send these dollars to. But by the way, let's just say after I leave this earth, some of these organizations, you know, go through a rough patch or they close mm. or, you know, they go through a, a period of mismanagement. Then I've got a safety net because we make sure that those organizations have fiscal responsibility and accountability before those funds are distributed. Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. That's that's a huge value. Um, I want to come back to that. But what what. in just talking about the donor advised fund. Uh, again, for just a moment, um, Fidelity was a big leader in this in terms of getting this um, segment going. Talk about how the, the value that you you give your fund holders versus I won't I won't name them individually, but just the bigger you know financial institutions that have set these up. Fidelity's not the only one. Um, the, the the advantages that you give your fund holders. Sure. So. You know, we're not going to pick on Fidelity because it's a great organization. Sure. Many of our banks now have donor advised funds. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, wh- what adva- the advantage we have is twofold. So first of all, we work with nonprofits to help them to become stronger. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago, we had a nonprofit academy where we hosted about 200 nonprofit leaders to talk about things around infrastructure, you know, post-COVID you know, management and leadership. Uh, we had a panel of experts to talk about fiscal responsibility of nonprofits and fatigue and how to hold on to employees. These are things that a lot of, you know, community organizations who have donor advised funds, that's the other side of the fence that, you know, many of them really don't see and how in making a community stronger, you're making your nonprofit stronger as well. 
And so what we strive to do is not only to have the assets to invest in the community, but to make sure that there's a pipeline of social responsibility with those organizations that are receiving uh, uh, those, uh, those funds. And we invite our fund holders to come and join and network with our nonprofits periodically so that they can learn who's doing really innovative things in the community that they may not have known about and they might want to invest in. You know, we have a number of organizations that are focusing on special needs students. We have a number of organizations that are focusing on workforce development. Uh, Tomorrow, we're actually hosting a World Peace and Unity Revival where we're placing a statue at uh, Rodney Cook Senior Peace Park in Atlanta. Mm. And one of our fund holders commissioned the statue to be placed there and had the vision, he and his wife, to tee up a a billion prayers around the world. And I'm actually uh, chairing that event. Wow. And, you know, that has has brought in into that particular fund, you know, close to a million dollars to support that movement. And so we're going to be hosting thousands of folks there uh, tomorrow. And so, you know, that that's just how communities support each other and how we, you know, make good on the philanthropy of others for the greater good of the world. You know, and one of the things that, that you said earlier, DePriest, that strikes me is um, is how you work. I mean, you mentioned the Nonprofit Academy, um, but just how you work with nonprofits generally mm-hmm. to – uh, help and you've got as you said an extensive background here um, but how you work with them generally to make them stronger and this is something that maybe they're doing it and I don't know about it but I don't think the big financial institutions are doing any of that right I mean it's really more of a transactional kind of situation and as opposed to like getting down into the weeds in the local community and helping the nonprofits that we all know about around here. I think some companies are more fiscally responsible when it comes to community development than others. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's still a long continuum of information that needs to be put out of there because there's a, there, there's a reciprocity here. So, yeah. you know, businesses want to thrive in communities, but then they also want to tackle some of the tough problems so that communities can get better. Well, the Delta in that is how do you galvanize and support the nonprofits that are serving the underserved in those communities? And how do you give them the resources that they need in order to do that? And that's where community foundations come in like ours, because we typically are addressing the Delta Mm -hmm. and we help inform uh, organizations, typically corporations around where those sweet spots are, that if you invest a few bucks, your return on investment is going to be extremely great. And so Having nonprofits at the table oftentimes, oftentimes is an afterthought, and we promote their voices being at the table on the forefront so that you know money isn't wasted. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Um, folks, we're here chatting with DePriest Wadi, Maria Sullivan, and board member Scott Jordan, all of the Community Foundation of Northeast Georgia. Um, Maria, I want to pull you in on something, and that relates to financial advisors, that folks out there that say, oh, well, you know, I've got a financial advisor that helps me, you know, figure this stuff out. Um, How do you work in concert with financial advisors? Excuse me. We have a, um, we call the professional network um, advisor uh, group, and they are our financial advisors. It's a team of people, and we are continuously 
growing. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott happens to be, you know, helping us with that. Yeah. So uh, I'll plug him in too. Um, but what we do is we really, it's our, it's, it's our bread and butter. I mean, they have clients that are philanthropic or may know of um, people that may want to be included in the community foundation. And so they really are, we connect to them um, um, with those, for those types of, of clients and those types of um, philanthropists. Um, is there anything you might want to add? As a, it, Scott is a financial advisor, so <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm going to ask. Yes, you are on both sides. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think you know mo- most people, most business owners have kind of a cadre of advisors around them that are always you know leaning in on various areas. Um, the the cool thing of this is, you know, we try to bring those people into the fold and educate them on not only who we are and how a donor advised fund works, but also to help streamline the advice piece of where should I deploy the money. Uh, and, you know, a lot of advisors, myself included, probably if I go back several years ago when I wasn't serving on boards as much or, you know, as even as active as a volunteer, I would still get asked periodically, where do you give your money? Or what do you think is the best homeless organization? And, you know, I live in Cumming. Uh, work in North Fulton. And, you know, I, I cannot always answer that fluently. So I, I think, you know, even myself uh, being a board member and a, and part of the PAN um, I've had the luxury now of being exposed to wider array of organizations. So when a client asks me about how should I give, you know, maybe it starts, I I would like to save on taxes. And by the way, I'm not a tax advisor. So got that on record. Uh, (laughs) The the appropriate disclosure, right? And I probably have my wealth officer next to me who is able to talk about these things, but you know, we, we will advise him on that element, but then the cool part is to be able to translate that to, but let's be responsible the way you give out the funds and please be sure that it doesn't end with the donation into Mm -hmm. the DAF and that it be, is just the beginning of the journey. And then the journey to advise that client along the giving life cycle, I think is really critical. And as I mentioned earlier, a lot of us know what a DAF is generically and don't know how it works and don't know how to make that connection. So for, for those that aren't maybe like me who want to go really deep into that, it's also a good baton toss. It's like, I don't understand this, but my friends at the community foundation do. So go talk to Maria, go talk to the priest. They'll connect you. They'll get you set up and they'll get you introduced to good, good organizations. Um, you know, I, it occurs to me and I don't want to make a bunch of trust departments mad at me, but, <laughs> but it occurs to me that, that what you offer your, um, when it comes to a legacy situation, like what you described the priest, you offer a much more informed way to distribute funds over many, many years after someone's passing because uh, as opposed to um, um, well, and again, nothing, I used to work in a trust department, nothing against trust departments, but they, they cannot, they do not have the bandwidth to be able to do what you do. Um, And that's not their fault. Um, uh, they they're not able to get in and understand what's going on in the community. Um, so, like you say, Scott, they they can keep up with who who is um, you know maybe a newer homeless related organization that has come on and doing great work that has all that's happened after someone's passing that you can identify 
right? For example, just using one example. Well, it's interesting. So <clears throat> I'm a big Beverly Hillbillies fan, right? So I remember the episode where Granny got the wheelbarrow and she was going to go to the bank because they, they made her upset. They wouldn't take her call. <laughs> so she went down to the bank with her wheelbarrow and she wanted all her millions in the wheelbarrow. And so we're, so some of our fund holders I talk to every day. Yeah. I mean, and, and I talk to them all over the country. And, and they just want to tell me, you know, where their sensibilities are around philanthropy, or they may see something in the newspaper that might be alarming and they want to run it past me, mm-hmm. or they may hear of something new and different that's going on around workforce development. Mm. Uh, you know, right now there's a lot of insecurity around, um, you know, working moms having transportation and right. being able to get to work and they want to solve some of these problems. And so, you generally are not going to call your financial advisor at some of your banks and say, hey, where should I invest these dollars? Because they're not going to know where. Generally, they're not going to know where yeah. unless they're really plugged in. Right. So we're kind of that one-stop shop because we're going to help them figure it out and ease the tension around what's going on with them You know, present day. Obviously, it's fairly easy to open up a donor-advised fund if we're, you know, if we're opening a slew of them on December 31st. So, I mean, it typically takes 15, 20 minutes Mm -hmm. to make it legitimate. And then, you know, if you got check in hand, then we just want to have it on record as of, you know, midnight on the 31st so that you can take it to your accountant. And so we make ourselves very, very accessible, not only to, you know, the fund holder, but also to the nonprofits, because a lot of them are not really up to date on the nuances around, you know, how businesses work and how they can be extremely effective and, you know, uh, enforce economies of scale. A lot of them are still operating like they did 20 years ago. And we know that that environment is constantly changing. Mm -hmm. So we're hearing it with, through both lens and we're helping to, you know, negotiate in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I love that. And just to be clear, I want to draw this out. Uh, and underline this. Um, one way you wake, you work with nonprofits is to help them create an endowment fund that otherwise they might, because of their size, maybe or what, whatever the reason, they might not otherwise be able to have. That's right. Money yeah. goes, money goes further, faster when it grows in a large pool. Hmm. You know, a nonprofit with you know ten, fifteen, twenty, fifty thousand dollars. Yes, they could open up an account. Um, they could they could put an investment portfolio together, but when you are putting it with other nonprofit dollars and it's in an aggregate of money mm-hmm. of millions of dollars, and um, and our investment advisor group is the Capital Group, and Hayes Evans does a phenomenal job managing our portfolio, and you know they manage trillions of dollars, mm-hmm. and so when you've got somebody in real time investing your dollars so that those dollars can grow and you want to be part of that team. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Such great work. Uh, the community foundation of Northeast Georgia, DePriest Waddy, Maria Sullivan, Scott, jo- Scott Jordan, uh, um, DePriest, is there anything we've missed that we need to make sure we cover? Maria's raising her hand. I, Come on I, in here. I have something I'd like to add. <laughs> yeah, please. A little bit of everything. So this is going to be like the, the smorgasbord right here. Yeah. Um, to Dupree's point, as far as um, 
you know, the agencies we work with, um, the nonprofits, we're a convener. I mean, we're finding that, and I think nonprofits would agree, we're not working in collaboratively and, and working together. We are that convener. We're putting uh, organizations together or if they're, we're the research side of it. And so they do, we do get a lot of calls looking for a grant writer. We're looking for some need that we may have access to because we work with other nonprofits. So that's benefit. Um, and I think that's really, really valuable to a nonprofit. And to Japri's point, um, the Nonprofit Academy really kind of show, showed us that we aren't working well together. And so I think we, we're really trying to do that. And then on the donor advice side, the individuals, the one thing that I think is really important, I think in this day and age is that uh, parents are struggling to work strongly with their kids or showing about giving. I mean, we're so isolated anymore in that. I don't know that families think about, gosh, how do I teach my children about philanthropy? Mm. And I had a conversation with someone the other day and that, they give each child a thousand dollars and says, "Okay, what is your heart speaking to you?" So it teaches them the the long term effect of that, and so in second and third generation benefit from that type of thinking. And that's what we also do is help them think that way. Where it's different when you open an account at Fidelity, and they I hate using Fidelity because that's I'm not picking on them, but you had mentioned that, and that I don't know they have that capability to share what's in the community, what's going on and all the resources that we provide and helping, um, you know, families grow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, we're not picking on anybody, uh, but we're just making the point that, Hey, it's a big financial institution that that's not their role and they've never represented. That's their role, right? You're saying, Hey, this is our role. We, we embrace this and we fulfill this mission, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I want to break it down to, from another perspective, you know, I think that there is always this mixed misconception that, you know, families who have the privilege to open a donor advised fund or families who have foundations, that they're isolated from the world's problems. You know, we've had some families that have been really, really blessed financially, and they've contacted us to give them some information with nonprofits that could support their kids or their families because we do have families that are dealing with special needs children. Mm. We have families that are dealing with mental health issues. We have families that have geriatric issues with aging parents. And we have families, unfortunately, that are dealing with divorce. And so when you kind of break it down beyond a wealth factor, this information is applicable to everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, so our ears are to the ground, not only for the underserved, before the mass majority of community as well. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because and we we weren't going to necessarily really talk about this, but I'm going to bring it up if you don't mind. <laughs> um, because actually, you and I a long time ago had a conversation about this, which you may or may not remember. But um, uh, just the need that exists in in the I'll call it the northern arc of of Metro Atlanta. Mm-hmm is under-recognized by many, many people, right? Whether, whether it comes to homelessness, hunger, um, uh, aging opioids. in place. Opioids. Opi- opioids, suicide. thank you, suicide. Um, mental health issues uh, generally. Um, th- these are, these are um, uh, rapidly rising, in some cases, issues and concerns that a lot of people just don't have – uh, the, 
you know, just walking around don't have knowledge of that you do and you can help people um, educate donors and maybe they can make a if since they have that education and that knowledge can make a more a better decision for themselves in terms of where they put their money exactly yeah and one of the things I think we talk about when you find somebody that maybe isn't naturally philanthropic which is actually not uncommon um given what you're talking about is sometimes you have to put it in an economic development sense is that, you know, you, you love the community you live in, you want it to be successful, you want your wealth and your assets to grow and all that's important. But if the whole community doesn't go up at some improved level, then that's in jeopardy to some degree. And I think, you know, especially for legacies, I think of my children, if they don't help us solve this problem, it becomes worse. But I mean, we have virtually a, I hate to say invisible poverty up the 400 corridor, yeah. but it, it is quasi invisible. People go, we don't have homelessness here. Or what are you talking about? People can't get from their house to the grocery store. I mean, it mm-hmm. is an interesting right. um, educational moment. I think that's maybe exacerbated in this community because of our extreme affluence. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, like I said, I live in Forsyth County. I work in North Fulton. I think that that theme is common in both of those communities. And I'm shocked sometimes at dinner parties with my friends that are all good intentioned that just don't understand what's around them. You know, their kids go to school with kids that can't afford to eat. Right. Well, we're not trying to shame anybody no. here. Um, but, you know, Homestretch did a uh, survey years ago, and I'm sure the percentages are somewhat similar. Um, that they did a survey of folks in North Fulton that, that said 92% of folks surveyed did not think homelessness is a problem Well, in North Fulton. Well, that's part of the problem, right? Just the fact that people don't know. So get, the, the education that you do is fantastic. So thank you for that. Thank you for that, um, that work. And, uh, wow, this has been a great conversation. John, thank you for having us. This has been very, very insightful. Yeah. I know that we've unpacked a lot here today. Yeah, we've laid a lot of uh, given people a <laughs> lot to think about, right? But, but at the at the end of it, we want to be accessible to those folks who really want to make a difference, yeah. and and want to you know help them along the way as they make their uh, decisions around philanthropy and and what to do with it. And so, um, you know, we want to make sure that you can reach out to us at any time. Well, that's the most important question and answer that we're going to get to that right now. I want to get give people directions on how they can find out more, how they can connect, and uh, um, learn more about how they might be able to participate. So, DePriest, why don't you lead off on that? Well, I'm going to be really bold, so I'm going to be bold and audacious. Um, you can have my personal cell phone number. There you go. It's 404-358-2516. You could... Call or text me, or you can email me. Uh, my first initial last name, D Waddy, D W A D D Y, at C F is in Frank, N is in Nancy, E is in Edward, uh, G is in Gloria, dot O R G. So D Waddy at C F N E G dot O R G. And if Folks, if you're shy you can, and don't want to call the priest directly first, you can go check out the website, okay? It's is cfneg.org. That's correct. Terrific. 
to Priest Waddy, Maria Sullivan, and Scott Jordan. Thanks to all of you for joining. This has been fabulous. Thank you so much for coming in, and thanks for your great work. We're delighted we can uh, honor and celebrate that work. Thank you. May Thank I you add goodness. one more thing? Bring it on. I'm always like the end. Yeah. Um, we are considered, you know, we've been in Gwinnett County for a long time. Yeah. We are really making a huge impact in North Fulton, and I know this is primarily yes. for North Fulton. And I, yeah. So I'm available, and I, yeah. I, I, I'm visible. We have... Uh, conference room at the chamber um, in North Fulton. So, I mean, anything we can do for in the North Fulton and for sort yeah, Forsyth counties, yeah, just you know, call to priest. Terrific. Get a cell phone. <laughs> yeah, um, start right yeah, now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You can go straight to the priest, uh, straight to the top. So that's great. Um, yeah, thanks speaking, for adding that. And we love speaking to groups too. So if you ever want to book us to come and speak to your group, whether awesome. it's your family or your employees or your business associates, mm-hmm. uh, we're more than happy to do that. Terrific. Terrific. Great. Again, great work. The Community Foundation of Northeast Georgia. Thank you to Priest Maria and Scott. Thank it's you. been a pleasure. Thank, thank you, you so thank much. You. Yeah. Hey folks, just a quick reminder. If you've got some dysfunction in your back office uh, of your business, that may be administrative task. It may be that you're um, bookkeeping consists of a Nike shoebox. That may be a problem. <laughs> if you've got some issues like that that are dragging you down, Office Angels can help you. They've got a whole team of angels uh, that have all the talents and experience necessary to fly in, get that dysfunction ironed out, and fly out. And they do it on an ongoing or as-needed basis. Now, the chief executive angel over there is Essie Escobedo. She's fantastic. I know this because I work with her, um, and I know what they do and what they do for me. You can call Essie at 770-442-9246, or if you're shy, again, go to officeangels.us and check them out first. But go ahead and call Essie, and I think you'll be glad you did, and let her know that we sent you. And just a thank you to our audience, uh, you are a listener. You are fantastic because here's one thing that you do specifically that helps us help the guests that we have on this show. You share the show. You've done that traditionally and consistently over this almost seven years we've done this show and we appreciate you and your support. So if you could continue to do us a favor by sharing the show when you see that as appropriate and I can't imagine that there aren't some folks that need to hear uh, about the great work of the Community Foundation of Northeast Georgia that you could think of. So help us shine the light on great business and community leaders that are doing great work in this community as we continue to be the voice of business in North Fulton. So for my guest, DePriest Wadi, Maria Sullivan, and Scott Jordan, my name is John Ray, and join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.